FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 320 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. <laughs> That's right. I am your host, Jason. Thirst, blood, kill, venable. And I'm joined once again by half of the Escalabros, Georgie. Thirst, blood, kill. Um... V for uh, a special flashback episode. Flashback! Flashback, that's right. Um, it's been a while since we've done a... It's been a while since we've, <laughs> since we've done a flashback, and it's been a really long time since Georgie has done a flashback. We were actually just talking about that, but um, Georgie, thanks for coming on and talking about something besides um, Age of X. <sighs> Sorry, I fell asleep. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Anyway, Georgie, great to have you on. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited it. to be here, especially since it's something uh, Excalibur adjacent uh, in terms yeah. of creatives. So this is, this is going to be interesting, I think. Right. So we're going to talk about um, some Wolverine graphic novel called Bloodlust, um, which sometimes I think gets retconned into Wolverine annual number one. <laughs> oh. But uh, anyway, that's really neither here nor there. But um, I thought it was interesting because, and we'll get, I guess we'll go ahead and just jump into the credits here, talking about kind of your your Excalibur comment. Um, so Alan Davis and Paul Neary um do the story and the art. Of course, Neary, one of the one of the longtime inker collaborators for Alan Davis. Um, I would say one of the, one of the better combinations uh, to ink his work, but also. This is Alan Davis's first writing gig for Marvel, and he will very—well, I say very quickly, pretty quickly—from this start where he writes and draws on Excalibur. So this is kind of his, um, I guess, proving ground that he could do both, mm-hmm. uh, and and then he kind of launched that into what he wanted to do on his Excalibur run, which. You know, y'all will get to it at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're really close to to Claremont sort of jumping ship, I think, with a couple right. issues. Yeah, and then and I think there's a couple writers, and then Davis will come on um, towards the end of '90 or right right around '91. Um, I think is when he's he kind of picks up the writing chores. But um, I thought it was interesting. You know, that the this is where he kind of starts off because right. I don't know. I mean. I don't really know, like, in in ninety, what the what the production schedule was like, but I don't know. It, it, I thought it was really interesting that so we've had some of um, in Marvel Comics present some of the image guys, um, Rob Liefeld, Eric Larson. Some of those guys kind of take a stab at writing and drawing, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, Marvel kind of throwing them a bone, like here do these do these little stories, but that's what they are. They're all little stories, and I don't. I don't mean that to uh, to patronize them. I just mean that 
you know, they're usually like two or three part stories of about eight pages each. Um, and here Davis is kind of doing the same thing, but he's doing it in a, a pretty, I don't want to say it's huge, but I mean, it's a graphic novel. There's several pages and pretty detailed art, lots of yeah. panels. Um, so I imagine it probably took a while to, to, to throw together. And I don't know, it just seems interesting that he decided to do the art on his first writing gig with it being more substantial and a little more content. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I wonder if it's easier if you're an artist to, to if you're going to start, you know, writing your own book, if it's easier if you draw it as well, because you can like see it in your brain. I want to write it this way and have the image be this way. You know what I mean? True. Right. Right. You don't have to translate it for anybody. Right. If you're not, if you're not used to scripting, I guess you can kind of cheat and not really script. <laughs> no, no, exactly. You could be like just drawing out your story and then, you know, Stan Lee in it, you know, filling right, in the other right, ones right. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah. So um, I have no idea how he did it, of course. But I w- if I was an artist, I would think like if I'm going to write a story, I'd prefer to draw it. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. Um. So what, what I want to do real fast before we jump into this wholesale is I want to read the copy from the back of the book. Oh, yes, yeah. And um and then at the end, and help, help keep me honest on this, don't let me forget, Um, I want to go back and see if it checked all these boxes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, so Wolverine Bloodlust. Bloodlust. Mm. Actually, we'll, uh, we'll uh, rotate. So I'll do one and then you can do one. Does that sound good? That way people don't get bored of me. Um, oh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So first one, Bloodlust, a band of drunken vigilantes pursues a crazed psychopath across the icy Yukon waste. They're not taking any prisoners. Bloodlust, a race of mystical creatures descends on the Canadian North, hungry for souls. Bloodlust, the mutant Wolverine, a clawed berserker lost in an Arctic blizzard, out of his mind. Bloodlust, a dark descent in animal savagery. All right, so that's what we're supposed to get. <laughs> so we'll see, <laughs> we'll see how much of that we get, and uh, whether that was coffee that was just kind of. Um, I, I really oh. want to know who wrote that copy because right. I, um, I feel like the book is written a lot better than that. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Um, I, I'm assuming the movie phone guy wrote that copy, but <laughs> in a world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it felt like. <laughs> and before anybody um, writes in to correct me, I meant to say this is often or sometimes referred to as Wolverine Annual 2, not number 1. So I'm just going to throw that back out there real fast. Yeah. Um, we just lost any rights to talk about Wolverine ever again. <laughs> right. Show's over, guys. No more podcast. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, we already mentioned, of course, that Alan Davis and Paul Neary do the story and art. Uh, the other credits are that Michael Heisler does the letters, and then Bernie J does the colors. Right. So, And I'm not... Not familiar, I don't really think, with either of them. Um, so I'll be interested to see if I see their names pop up some more as I do some more 90s Marvel reading. Mm. Um, 
But I gotta say, not to not to spoil where we're gonna end up, but I thought the colors were pretty pretty nifty. Um, so I, I think the colors are uh, there's. I think that's where most of my commentary is gonna come in. To be honest. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, that'd be good. Maybe we'll disagree on some stuff. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we start off with. The cover definitely fits the back copy. We have a fully berserk, foaming at the mouth, Wolverine crouched over in an animal position, claws out in the blizzard. Like they nailed it as far as the cover is concerned. Um, you know, I gotta say, I really, really enjoy '90s, or I guess really '80s into '90s, Alan Davis Wolverine, and this is no exception. I think the cover is pretty. Pretty rad, if not a tad bit maybe exaggerated in the pose, but I think it works. What do you think of the cover? It definitely evokes like the feeling of it. Um, right. I, I honestly would say that the cover might be my least favorite part of of the artwork of this book, to be honest. Okay, cool. And I'm not saying it's a, like a terrible cover, but right. It just the first time I like the more I look at it, the more I feel like it's it's. Like purposeful for what what we're gonna go through, but the first time I saw it, I was like, "Really? This is what we're doing?" Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, pretty long claws. But yeah, yeah. That, that sticks throughout the book as well, though. Sure. The, the other thing I want to ask about are the fins on his costume, because the way that Davis does it, he makes them almost like uh, like three dimensional. Sometimes they're just like flat fins, but here it's right. like. There's like a hollow part in the middle, kind of. I don't know how to describe it, but that looks very unique to me. Yeah, and I think that is that is more typical of how Davis draws Wolverine. Um, mm-hmm. So the flaps, to kind of describe what George is saying, they are three-dimensional. It's almost like they come from not just the front of the face, but the back of the head as well. Exactly. And then kind of join in like a peak on the sides. Um, and that's that's... I think Davis has done that before and it kind of definitely goes throughout the whole issue. It's funny, depending on how you see it, it depends on whether it really, because there's, there's a couple of panels where it looks more standard mm-hmm, green, mm-hmm. but then there's sometimes where it definitely looks like it's, it's wrapping around. So, um, yeah, actually as I'm flipping through pages here, it's not very consistent. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But anyway, yeah, it's a definitely an interesting take on the cow and one that you don't see very often. Because even if you see, like, exaggerated cows or or one that's really dark in the shadow, less than the brown, it's still usually small or big flaps. And so to see it as kind of like an all-encompassing mask is is a little bit different. It definitely sure. feels like this one was made for his hair, uh, where, where the yeah, normal flaps aren't right? made for his hair. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like the normal flaps are my hair got smushed down, but I still want to have the hair, so the fins like replace the hair. Right. This, this is almost like yeah, you're right. Like the hair can. I'm going to a dinner there. afterward. I don't want to mess up my looks, so I want right, to. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, you think that I just take this cow off, my hair just bounces back, but no, right. I need I need some help. <laughs> Bub. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um. George, you want you want to you want to start us off here? Sure. So um, we start off sort of. Uh, I'm assuming is the Canadian North in the snow in the woods, and a man is being chased down, and he's uh, he's scared. 
and uh, a monster sort of sneaks up on him with his claws, tears him apart, and it's really hinted that this is this is Wolverine. And I gotta say, the first page, it's like, wow, Davis with all the, the unique angles, and uh, he's he's great with expressions, so the fourth panel where the guy's like really scared as the claws are coming at him is, is just gorgeous. It's like a great uh, first page to get you into this story. Yeah, it really is. And it really kind of you know, I, I think it's easy to kind of compare like comics sometimes to to TV or movies, but this really does feel like the opening. Like it's very cinematic. Um, and the way the panels like different camera angles and stuff, like you talked about different perspectives. Exactly. Um, it's, it's really cool. And you can really see the tone and, and just the, the feeling of the tension and everything. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly that Davis, um, does a fantastic job, even down to like the open dead eyeball at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really, it's a really cool opening. Um, and I think the other thing I need to talk about here is there's, we're in the north and there's just snow everywhere. So a lot, a lot of things are just sort of whited out or kind of pale, washed out coloring. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and this is going to continue, you know, throughout the book here. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, so are you saying you like that or don't like that? I, I feel like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Like this, okay. this, this first pager works really well. Yes, I agree. Okay. So cool. as this, uh, this, this uh, hunter or whoever is out, out in the north uh, falls down dead and he sees like ice in front of his eye, we cut to Wolverine, a close-up of Wolverine, looking at you know a shattered beer bottle or maybe whiskey. I, I assume it's beer. He's a beer guy. Right. Um. He's holding this like crushed glass in his hand and just sort of contemplating what what we saw and what's going on in his life. And you know, there there, I think Davis is a great Wolverine in costume. I think out of costume it can be a little bit more wishy washy. Uh, but this uh, close up here is a great like. You know, I was watching this. Sorry, uh, this is kind of a, a tangent, but I was uh, reading some other '90s books because we're going to start covering Generation X and. Right. Um, reading some books that go into the formation of that team. And uh, it, it's part of the Flanks Covenant. And there's a couple different artists doing the book. One is is Andy Kubert, who is, I don't think his work holds up very well. The other is Joe Mad, And um, Joe Mad makes every man, like, with, like, this amazing jawline and the biggest <laughs> muscles. You know what I mean? Everyone <laughs> looks like they're 25, even if right. they're supposed to be older. Like right. like uh, Banshee's supposed to be an older X Man, but he he looks like he's just twenty five in the book. <laughs> and even even recently with Wolverine, he's he kind of has sort of de aged down to a younger you know look. Uh, but Davis you know draws him as an older not like old character, but you know a, a dude who's definitely far away from his teens. And you, you forget right. sometimes that Wolverine's supposed to be this older character. So it was it was kind of a shock to see like oh yeah Wolverine is he's an older guy. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, the only thing I kind of noticed right off the bat is that I was trying, and I, I actually, and Wolverine fail here. I can't remember if they've officially established his eye color yet, but of course now we know it's not brown. <laughs> so <laughs> a little, just a little, little nitpick. I don't know if they got it wrong or if they just didn't know the rules yet. But um, right. yeah, so he's so he's in this bar in the. And then Yukon and um you know, gets into trouble as he does. Yep, he's uh he's crushed his 
Sorry to go on a tangent. I, I, I tend to do no, that. No, no, no. He's, he's crushed a, a bottle as he's sort of, I think, hallucinating to what we saw in the opening pages. And um, some of the other patrons start to pick on him. And he's like, they, they want to fight. And we get this great panel of him giving like a smirk as they, they're you know, about to start a fight with him, uh, which I really love. And then we just get a, a, a page that is little dialogue and uh, Wolverine just narrating the fight, which is just like wonderful. Yeah. Well, that was really cool. He's like, as fights go, it's friendly. No hardware, just man-to-man. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the big guy, the big classic, like, mountaineer man. Yeah. <laughs> like, bald head, big white beard, lots of muscles. I think his name is Moose. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> and, and then Wolverine kind of, I love what Alan Davis does here. So... You know, instead of going to a normal Wolverine Berserker, he almost gets overtaken by this primal feeling connected to the murder we saw on the first page. And when Logan holds up that bottle and, like, it distorts into, like, this monstrous, like, grin through the Mm -hmm. bottle, like, that's just, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, The book is full of, like, really wonderful touches that, you know, Davis is just famous for um right but uh, yeah i mean i think we're gonna fawn over the, the artwork for <laughs> for most of <laughs> most of this book right, um, right right but the yeah the bloodlust starts to to creep up on uh on wolverine and this woman who he's talking to the bar pulls on him and they start to run and i, I think I, I need to talk about the colors now because these first pages like when they're out in the snow i understand the whitewash but even inside the bar things look a little too pale for me color wise Okay. And I'm not I'm not sure if it's just a scanning thing, because uh, I'm, I'm reading this on Marvel Unlimited, so maybe they don't have the originals or, you know, these sort of things happen. But it feels kind of like drained a little bit of, of the color. No, it is not. So I, have the, I actually have the the original copy of it, and it's not okay. very vibrant. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a lighter palette, um, almost... Like a thinly painted color palette right. in a way. Um, so I definitely see. I, I think, I feel like that's probably intentional mm. to to go with kind of the outside scenes that nothing gets too, too warm or um, energized. But I, I can see how that can, cannot be appealing as well. So um, it's definitely. I I think in particular looking at that bottom panel with the girl pulling. Wolverine out of the bar mm-hmm. is just very kind of bland looking from a yeah. color perspective. Yeah, um, the background is so like just beige. Uh, right. It's like a wall <laughs> of just beige. So it's the, these are the sort of like the color marks that I, I might have, you know, small issues with when right. they're when they're inside or something else is happening that's not snow related that I'm like right. oh, I'm not really sure why you didn't just do a little bit of color work here, but Right. <laughs> but that's like they, they go outside and quickly it shifts to you know whites blacks and like dark bluish colors and you know it's supposed to you know evoke a cold feeling and i think these this works really well right um, and uh logan keeps talking about the static in his head like he can't think straight mm-hmm. um the girl kind of comes on to him um her name is sassy um, yeah and uh, Logan gets his, his jacket and his satchel, and um, they're going to go back to her place. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, as you do in the in the great north, you got to find warm. some way to get to stay warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she kind of some kind of wild swings here, where she's very concerned, but then at the end, she's like, "Oh, that fight was exhilarating," and Logan doesn't quite know what to make out of her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is she compassionate? Is she seeking a thrill, like or both? You know, so. Um, but he gets this weird smile on his face uh, when he talks about learning from his mistakes. Um, but before <laughs> he can get his groove on, they get distracted. Yeah, a uh, bunch of, I don't know, uh, at first I thought, all right, are these werewolves or Wendigo? Is this going to be like a Wendigo story? Right, um, yeah. Uh, but these these monsters from the north jump him, and uh, he goes to work. And yeah. I love that Davis is able to step back from like dialoguing this at all and just let the artwork tell the story, like tell the fight. Right. Yeah. So I do got a comment. So on the page before that, where we get where he pops his claws, mm-hmm. those those claws are long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, it's a cool snicked, and the the it's kind of almost overshadowed by the facial expression on the girl. Um, mm-hmm. And then how he says his growl combines with the the beast. Um, but yeah, you're right though. Those next two pages, you know, we have the, the splash page with the three words: the thirst, blood, kill. And then, you know, four horizontal panels of just Wolverine tearing into these white monsters. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty great. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, it's just classic like Wolverine. Slash in action, but Davis just really, really nails it. I think um, I really like the touch. One of the things I did like about the colors is that last panel. His eyes are red. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just so with that and Davis's detail and like just the the primal bestial face, uh, I think that was a really good combination. Um, For sure. Yeah. I, you know, coming coming from Excalibur, where Claremont just has to put words all over everything. <laughs> I feel like working with Claremont has taught Davis like uh, how to be uh, economic with your, your words. And so, right. it, yeah, it, it turns out really well here. Yeah, uh, it does, definitely. <laughs> and what's also great is, you know, he goes into all, it's not obviously a, a regular berserk rage, but he's not really thinking at that moment either. So why would there even be any words? It's just primal instincts and when he sort of comes back to like consciousness almost then we start getting more words like he's thinking about what just happened so it, it works really well even just like a, a motivational sense right yeah no i think it's a great writing trick to mm-hmm. um to pace the i guess letters per <laughs> per page on based on what the character is feeling it's right. a really interesting take um you know the creature is kind of it kind of seems like they disappear, but then he's over a, a, a group of their bodies. So I'm not exactly sure what he was kind of feeling there. He just realized they maybe they were done. Um, but yeah, and he kind of stands over, kneels. He's missing the girl. He realizes his claws are still out, so he, he pulls them back in with a nice snack. And then that was really interesting, almost like this meditation that he does. Yes. And you see him in color. And his costume, which I really like the idea of him laying his costume out. I think the boots are maybe a little too flimsy. 
<laughs> but, but I like the idea that everything behind him is just like a white pencil line. Right. There's no color, no real detail. Like he's zinned all of that out, including his underoos. Um, <laughs> yeah, it feels very almost samurai to like. Yeah. Like focus before he's getting into battle mode here. But I mean, it's it's. I don't know if it's ever. Uh, confirmed before, but it's canon that that he has no undies underneath his costume. He is yeah. <laughs> he strips all the way naked in what is probably you know like twenty degrees below weather and just <laughs> meditates for a minute here, right? Yeah, and then he uh, slowly gets dressed, um, and he looks good. In, in, like Davis draws him really good. Yes, yeah, that panel where he, he finally pulls his gloves on and the whole costume. Uh, Davis, he, he definitely nails it. Um, really rocking the yellow and brown costume, pretty, pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I ever noticed before, but that's like the belt looks perfect here too. Yeah, I know it's like an odd little thing to notice. I, I, I don't think I've ever <laughs> noticed his belt before, but it looks great. Nice, yeah. nice accessorizing Wolverine. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I like you know. He talks about how he kind of narrows his senses down, you know. Um, he's trying to ignore, like, this kind of buzzing in his head. Mm-hmm. So he focuses on the cold, you know, he hears music in the distance, but then really focuses on, like, this one lone snowflake. And so here's where I got a little confused. Uh, maybe you can help me out. Um, so the snowflake, it lands on, on this, this creature and, like, basically sets him on fire but they've been in snow the whole time. Yeah, I don't, I don't know <laughs> why. I don't. Um... Okay. All right. Yeah. Think right. of it more of it like a metaphorical sense is the way okay. I think we should take it. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. <laughs> so yeah, the, the 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 creature bursts into flames. Wolverine gets another like kind of psychotic message with a thirst blood kill and um then we go back to the mudslide bar and the sheriff is there and um i just wanted to kind of take a little a little my turn to take a tangent so i don't know uh how many fans of the show or, or georgie if you've listened to but you know they had that uh serialized wolverine oh, right. podcast right. Uh, the long night and the kind of setup of that is that Logan disappears into this like Alaskan like fishing port, and then there's some murders around by claws. And I don't think the people know that Wolverine has claws at this point, so they don't really connect it like they do here. But as the listener to the show, you're for a couple episodes, you're left wondering like, okay, did did Wolverine like go crazy and kill these people? Like, what's the What's the twist? And so, I don't know. I don't know if the, the writer of that podcast kind of had had read this story or had it in the back of their minds or if it was just coincidence. But but even, like, tonally and everything, just found a lot of similarity. Um, I haven't listened to that yet. Would you recommend it? Yeah, I would. I think it's pretty good. It's definitely, I mean, it's 10 episodes, about 10 total hours. Oh, um, wow. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. Um. It's kind of like, like crossing like X Files with Twin Peaks with like old, 
like depression era radio shows. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't land everything it tries, but I think for the most part it's pretty it's it's definitely worth a listen. Cool. So um but yeah, so anyway, the sheriff's in the, the bar, he's telling the people to let him do his job, but of course they're not gonna they're not gonna buy that. But there's this other guy who I guess we're supposed to assume is a guy from the first page that that is currently in the morgue, he's been sliced up. And so he just wants people to stay inside, you know, stay in the bar and drink where it's warm. And one of my favorite parts about this whole scene is the bartender is like, who's going to pay for this? Oh, um, yeah. You're going to pay for this? Someone's got to pay for this. <laughs> and they ignore him the whole time. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> you would think you just quit serving drinks at some point. Like, no one's going to pay attention to me. But, right. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, so then we turn the page to a scene that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad now. So right. um, <laughs> uh, we have a, a family. They're talking about what they're going to bring to the town, their new business. And several creatures jump in, which... So, all right, so first of all, uh, they kill the parents, which is, you know, fine. But then... Uh, you heard it here also, first. <laughs> yeah. Jason then, is... Uh... Pro-parent murderer. He's uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> but then they also off-panel uh, kill these two kids. And I think I think what kills it for me is you see the perspective for the kids and the girls already crying. Mm-hmm. And that's like, okay, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. But um, but so I want to talk about pacing though. So mm. in that first scene. It's left up to kind of us to determine whether this is is Wolverine or another creature. Like he says, it feels like a hallucination, but it could be that he was just out of his mind, right? And and doesn't really remember it. And then we've seen that there's multiple creatures, so that part's been shown. So I I guess, Georgie, when you first read this, did... When you saw the first time Wolverine fights the creatures, did you were you already like, okay, well that's that's what killed the first guy, like for sure? Because when we see multiple creatures coming in this house, we definitely know that Wolverine's not killing anybody. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. a done deal. It's the creatures the whole time, right? Um, and then we move on to the story with how Wolverine's going to deal with that. Um, so I guess it just depends on how you read the fight with the other creatures. Does that automatically exclude Wolverine from the first scene? Or if not, maybe they could have drugged that out a little more. You have any have any thoughts on Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think it would have it may have been especially since we just saw Wolverine run off into the distance like in another blood rage, making this scene a little bit more vague may have uh put you know, put a little more suspense in the story. That's a right. interesting point, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and because I really think, yeah, I'm going to stick to my guns there because that next page, mm-hmm. when Wolverine's talking about how he feels that murder and he's like scared to look at his claws to see if there's blood on them, I think had we not seen that panel in the middle of that page, the red and black panel with like right. multiple creatures, I think that really would have added a lot of like suspense to this to wolverine's like kind of gut-wrenching feeling for sure right because right? sure. we know the creatures are going to be involved in the killings 
But until we see for sure that there's multiple creatures, we don't know who's doing what yet. Like, mm-hmm. are they making him do it? Are they doing it for him? Like, what's the connection? Um, but yeah, we kind of kind of get the sense then that that Wolverine is somehow connected to these creatures and feeling their feelings, and then he's surrounded by them in the snow. And he's going to kill every damned blasted one of them. <laughs> all those futzers are going to get it. Right, all those futzers. <laughs> but, of course, he can't uh, because they phasm. Um, it's a, a bright, bright phaz. Yeah. And so they phasm and he pops in the snow. <laughs> wow. It's, Kind of on fire as he snacks. And then we get something kind of interesting here where Wolverine kind of connects to the aura of these creatures. And the first thing he notices is that he can see his healing factor working. When do you, you think of this? It kind of gets kind of mystical really fast here. Um, oh, yeah. It was like a uh, full-on drug trip for Wolverine here for the next <laughs> couple of ages. Right. Um, and these are sort of even these like sort of druggy pages are also like pastel and like really light colorizations. It it almost looks like uh, they use some like colored pencils to to work on these pages. Yeah, maybe uh, so. And I think it kind of works here. Um, I you know I could have I would have been okay if they would have gone a little bit deeper uh, color wise, but I think this still works. Yeah, I think the only thing I would would maybe say is that. Like if you go full like Rico Renzi here, it would mm. stick out like a sort of thumb. Oh no no um, no no! no. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So he sees his the energy healing his wounds, and he sees all the aura of the land around him, and the creatures um, who are on the Ausra or the spirit plane. Um, and they're not these guys aren't bad. These are good guys. They're they're nice. Um, nice little Sasquatches. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of get their history. Um, basically, they've been around forever, and they achieved full harmony with Mother Earth, and they they stayed away from the Vikings and the barbarians and all the the violent people. And unfortunately, as humanity got more and more violent and took over more and more of the Earth, they kind of ran out of places to go. So they went to the Great White North, and there they were able to use their Earth energy to kind of evolve themselves into like snow people um and then they also find a way to like send their collective mind out into space um but alas uh pollution and earth's humanity's progress has started invading even their their wonderful secret realm and they kind of run out of options so some of them decide to strike back these are the renegades, the evil forces. And, you know, you mentioned the similarity to Wendigos earlier. Um, you know, they, they commit the cardinal sin and start eating people just like a, a Wendigo. So very, it's almost like this is a Wendigo story, like as far as the true folklore. Right. I but was kind of already, expecting that, yeah. <laughs> but since we already have the Marvel comic Wendigo character, Alan Davis couldn't use that, so he kind of uses like a, almost like a stand-in for a Wendigo, kind of. Right, right. Um, but, 
Yeah, so we kind of finished their history. And then we get something really, really interesting here. Um, so Wolverine talks about how he's in the plane, but they have to help him come to the spirit place because of the metal in his bones. Um, and then he can never achieve total harmony with himself because his healing factor has to fight the metal. Right, right, this right. This is the first time this is ever mentioned. I picked um, up on this too. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be really interested to see because, you know, coming right up is the Larry Hama run, which is forever and ever. Right. And I don't remember if he ever talks about this. Um, the, the, the time in my memory I know this really gets brought up again is not until Fatal Attractions when Magneto rips out the adamantium and his, you know, all his powers go crazy and you know he goes back to the like the, the flat face um <laughs> noseless uh that's that's gotta be like the end of hama's run right around that time yeah yeah they're coming up on it at least um so i don't know i i don't know if davis was thinking like kind of long term like what he was contributing to the the mythos here or if he was just mm-hmm. trying to come up with a reason why wolverine was kind of stuck in between um but I just thought it was really interesting because we we haven't had you know I, I guess in my head I assumed oh yeah the adamantium poisoning the healing factor fighting it that's got to be like a Claremont thing right because um, it sounds like it would be <laughs> mm-hmm. like like a like eighty early nineties Claremont thing but it's not I mean Alan Davis is a guy that that introduces that that concept so I thought that was really cool um just kind of two panels in the middle of this story that, that sets up something that I think is mostly kind of I don't I don't want to say it's ignored because I think this is so kind of subtly introduced that no one can like aggressively ignore it but this wasn't picked up on until way later and I would even wonder if when it is picked up on it was even intended to be connected to this or if it's just kind of coincidence um you know, Jason, I'm not as big of a, a buff on my Wolverine history, but, you know, I had never really heard of this graphic novel before you, you brought up the idea of us covering it. Is this yeah. really well known or is this sort of a, not not to speak of the quality, but in terms of, of recognition, is this like a B-side Wolverine story? Yeah, I would say it probably is. Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, it gets the designation of, of eventually being termed as the annual, but I honestly, um, I never heard of this till a couple of years ago, and I found it and I bought it, and actually decided because I was already doing the podcast and knew I would eventually get here, didn't read it, so I just kind of bought it and stuck it on my shelf. Oh, um, and then I was kind of wait so I could read it fresh when I covered it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first time I read it was actually a few weeks ago, um, and yeah, I don't, I don't. When people talk about great Wolverine stories or, or contributions to the character or or anything, I've never had this brought up mm-hmm. like in casual Wolverine conversations. So I think I think you got to be a pretty serious collector to to know about it and to or to at least have had it or read it. Um, yeah, no, I think I think calling it a B side is is fair. And again, I don't think that speaks to the quality of it, but just as far exactly. as exactly. Where it fits in the story, like I don't. You know, I think I think more telling than whether people know about it is, 
I don't I don't think other than unless you connect the dots from th- this revelation to future stories, I don't think any of this story is ever revisited. Right. Um, so it's not like a, a landmark issue that like has you know reverberations throughout Wolverine's universe. It's kind of a, a story that's told and mostly forgotten as far as regular Wolverine continuity. Um and it's just kind of almost like a one and done doesn't really have to even be in continuity. There's nothing that really connects it to what's going on in Wolverine or X-Men at this time or anything. It's kind of just, here's the story mm-hmm. uh, that I wanted to tell. Oh, and by the way, I think it'd be cool if we said his healing factor, you know, had to mess with the adamantium because you know what? It would be weird to have metal on all your bones. Right, right. <laughs> I it's it's weird, you know, looking at it now, like such an obvious like, well yeah, of course the healing factor would have to do something with it because it's not natural. Right. right. Like you can get metal all over, you're gonna get some kind of Yeah, people have to get or, screws taken back out, etc., you know, as they right? heal. Otherwise yeah, so it, it makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, I I thought that was really interesting because I kinda had I guess that was kind of my surprise on reading this was mm-hmm. wow, this is like in this kind of forgotten story. That is conceivably a, a fairly important little big, piece here. Yeah, yeah. Right. like I said, I have no idea when it's brought back up, if it's even with this in mind. But definitely, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that, that it, it was here first. So mm-hmm. anyway, I guess enough about that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to belabor the point. But um, so what happens after that, Georgie? He kind of gets done with his head trip. And um, he gets uh, one of the Sasquatch guys to guide him. And what do you think about the scene of them running through the snow? I love the pose of them, almost like Superman versus uh, the Flash racing pose. <laughs> the <panel laughs> yeah, the bottom. think about that. That's awesome. Yeah. I was thinking of Batman and Robin as Wolverine so much shorter than... Oh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I like your comparison. That's really cool. It's great. Uh, you know, Davis is just top form here uh, throughout the whole book. So uh, these are great, great uh, pages. I mean, most most of the story is told within these, not not moving forward, but this page and like the floor behind, uh, doing the backstory here. So he's he can get back to what he's really great at. Um, and and they run off. Uh, they're going after these renegades, and they run just by accident by the cabin that we saw. I don't know eight eight pages ago with the family that was killed. And uh, they go to check it out because Wolverine has to has to see it, even though uh, this this nice uh, they're called the Nuri, Nuri. Yeah. Uh, the dude's like, uh, we should have another name for this guy, like the Wendigo Junior. <laughs> he's basically like, dude, don't torture yourself. You don't need to go in there. He's like, no, but I have to. And he goes in, and we get some great panels here of Davis. He's really, I mentioned earlier, like the the emotions on the face. Uh, I've seen similar stuff with on on Captain Britain's face when he's like in anguish that right. uh, Logan is expressing here when he when he sees what happens to the kids and we don't. What's also great here is we don't see what actually happened to the kids. We're looking, we're like from the perspective inside of the room, looking out as Wolverine opens the door and peeks in, and it's a right. great way to play off of of what's happening and to give it a character moment, but also be like really unique about it. It's a uh, it's a great page here. Um, but obviously, this trauma has set Wolverine off, and he's gonna kill, 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 kill. Um, do you have any comments on on this? 
No, I, I thought it was interesting. I um, 100% agree with you uh, with Alan Davis emoting, especially through the mask. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which, I mean, obviously you get the mouth, which makes it a little bit easier having an open mouth. But um, the way you see like the brow lines through the through the cow is really cool. Um, when he knit, like kind of furrows his his nose and his eyes and the close up there. Um, you know, the idea being that as he kind of gets angry, it's harder to resist the call of the the renegade uh, monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of just runs out like ready to kill everything. Um, and the guy's like, no, 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 stay with me so I can help you stay calm. Um, <laughs> yeah, but nope. Nope, no, no. So then we see the 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 bar folk. They've all gunned up and uh, got their coats on, and they're fighting some creatures. But uh, it doesn't go well for them. But luckily, Wolverine's there to to attempt to save them. I love that they're like, "Ooh, it's a superhero!" One of them alpha flights. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't realize like, "Hey, this is the dude we're trying to hunt down." But right, right, right. <laughs> But yeah, Wolverine continues to slice through. There's that really great, I guess, quarter page panel of him, like with his claws kind of going backwards as he cuts through them. Oh yeah, uh, that's that might be the best panel of the whole thing. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievably gorgeous, and the way that they light it too, uh, almost like there's an explosion going off right in front of him. It's it's great. Right. Yeah. Um, so the guy, the nice one, heals the hunters but also has them drop their guns um which will actually come into play a, a couple of pages later um he heals them and then he goes over to see wolverine who has just finished fighting these other monsters and is almost burning up to death and he sort of calls out to mariko like mariko i'm dying i love this i love this Gene who his his dying thought is of Mariko. Um, I, yeah, you know, Mariko being my favorite Wolverine relationship. Um, it makes more sense for, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Storm is great too, but Mariko makes really good sense for him. Yeah. Um, oh no. Yeah. Storm's like top three for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, this is pre- Pre mid nineties, so we don't have the the healing factor ramped all the way up. So he actually feels like he might actually die here. Um, and he's taken more damage than his body can heal, um, or at least heal effectively. So he has to have help from from the new 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 near whatever they are. Um, and he gets all sparkly. And then uh, a panel that Georgie tweeted earlier. Um, <laughs> and Wolverine actually comments uh, not only does his body get healed but his costume gets healed as well right I love it he's just like <laughs> wave the hands and your clothes are back on good as new <laughs> but you know this could be where his healing factor starts to to beef up as well like there's this additional like mystical power it's infused in him from uh, Wendigo Jr. here and now he can just heal a little bit better yeah maybe so going forward um definitely a possibility 
Unfortunately, uh, we, we cut back to those hunters who <laughs> run into the renegades, and without their guns, they get taken out real quickly. Yeah. Uh, sliced up. Uh, even Moose, Big Moose, uh, <laughs> has no chance. His, his throat gets ripped off. Uh, the guy is, like, stabbed to the chest, and with every, like, blow, uh, we like, their panels intercut with Wolverine's, you know, facial expression as he's enduring the pain at the same time. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, you know, even the first one, when the first guy gets slacked and Wolverine is like mid-run and almost falls over, mm-hmm. um, was really great. Um, yeah, Wolverine's kind of losing it. Um, but then I love... So I guess the idea here is that like there's some natural disasters tied to kind of the imbalance of the renegades and the good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're down, wait, I, I, probably worth mentioning, and I think I kind of missed it. Um, we're down to one renegade, right? Like Wolverine killed them all but one who got away. I think he's the most powerful one as well, kind yes. of. Yeah. Um, so kind of reminiscent of the cover, Logan starts growling, and when he claws at the snow, and that's just a really powerful image, I thought. Um, and then that's when the, the big bad shows up, and he's going to fight. The, so it's good Wendigo versus bad Wendigo. <laughs> and they shoot stuff. They, like, shoot and shield, and Wolverine's just kind of st- stuck in the middle being really pissed off. Um there's lots of <laughs> mystical magic fights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, you know, back to kind of your point, point earlier, Georgie, that these two pages probably could have used a little more color. Exactly. Um, as exactly. we go into the magic forces and, and either make them dull and leave them dull or make them colorful, but they're kind of multicolored like they're bright lights, but they don't look bright. Right, so and they don't um, stand out because the backgrounds are really blank as well. So it's like, right. unfortunately, I, I think these could have been done a little bit better. Yeah, did Wolverine get frozen? Yeah, I saw that as well. I was like, I don't remember him getting frozen, but then he jumps out of like an ice block to attack the evil Wendigo. Yeah. Oh, I just realized I missed this. Both of my read throughs. Um, there's that panel. Um. So you know the page that starts with Pam? Yep. From the office. And mm-hmm. then um, at the bottom, uh, the good Wendigo, one of his hands is making a Doctor Strange hand. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah. The classic magic... Uh, Death uh, metal pose, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or hook em <laughs> horns, whichever. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Wolverine breaks out of the block of ice that I guess he was frozen in. Um well, that's that's the problem. You know, we we see him get hit and stuff, but because the coloring is kind of uh, non-existent on on a couple of these panels, you're not really sure where he's hitting to or what's going on. So I feel like a little bit more definition in the coloring would have been good here. Yeah, yeah. I also feel like so. There's a there's an '80s sense of color, kind of that original kind of first wave of digital coloring um, Mm -hmm. that looks kind of like bad painting sometimes. And I feel Mm -hmm. like these last few pages of the book, or at least the last few pages of this fight, have that very distinct 
Um, I almost want to call it, and not not to pick on anybody, but what I really remember this kind of coloring from is all like the when '90s when Valiant had their '90s relaunch. They kind of had a color palette that all their issues had. Mm. It's kind of the same kind of palette. Um, I get you. So yeah, and it's not my favorite. Um, but we do have have Wolverine refusing to die. He's fighting back against the the big creature, and he, they are able to beat him. But you know, it cost, of course, the good creature his his life. Um, and they decide that they're all going to go out to space. I don't think that. Well, this creature dies and turns into like snow, right? All and, right. Uh, and he's and I think the creature tells Wolverine like, "Hey, hold." Wait up here. The others will be here. Then you can, you all can take out this evil, evil guy together. But uh, oh, that's right. He, the bad, the bad guy gets away. Right. We still have a whole. whole we got a little bit more. Guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but Wolverine's like, screw that. I'm gonna hunt this this guy down. And we get some panels of him sort of tracking this evil Wendigo uh, in the Winter Wonderland to a cave. Um, and and this is, I think, where the artwork picks up a little bit more again, especially color-wise, when uh, Wolverine enters the cave and he sees not only some human bones on the ground, but also Saskia. Has, uh, she has been captured and locked in this cave, and, and Wolverine finds her. Um, and, you know, some more great emotional uh, facial expressions from Davis here. Um and, you know, to be honest, half this book I'd forgotten all about Saskia. Even the second week <laughs> through, I was like, oh, yeah. She, uh, his friend, who he knew for all of five minutes, he's, he's found right. her again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know her middle two fingers are always joined together? Oh, yeah. That's, that's odd. <laughs> oh, wait. Do these mo- how- No, they have regular five fingers. <sighs> I thought maybe... So, you know how sometimes... Um, when people draw like Nightcrawler or thing, oh, right. like image inducer, their fingers, they'll have five fingers, but really two of them will be one. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. I thought maybe they were doing that, but no, it's just a, it's just a weird thing. Um, <laughs> but so, <laughs> so this whole comic eventually ends up hinging on bear poop. Um, All the good ones do. Yeah. Right. So, so he smells the bear poop when he first goes in the cave, and then he realizes he can't smell the girl. Mm-hmm. But he can smell bear poop, so he knows he can smell. Like earlier, he wasn't sure. Maybe he just had a bad cold and couldn't smell. But now he knows he can smell. So if he can't smell her, and these creatures don't have a scent, ergo, she must be the creature, and so he stabs her. Right. And he, he lays right into her, too. There's oh, like yeah. a big old wind-up. <laughs> three feet of claws sticking out of her back. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty great. Um, and the panel of her kind of being in between mm-hmm. Sassy and, and Sasquatch. Um, oh, Sasquatch. I just uh, caught that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty great panel. Um and then we get our, our next kind of big fight that goes on for a couple of pages. Um, and this creature turns basically into a giant tumor. 
Yeah, it's almost like the end of Akira, where it just sort of expands oh, and yeah, grows. And... But uh, there's there's the one page that's everything's sort of all brown, but uh, the page afterward with the uh, the vertical panels, the four vertical panels, yeah, is, is just unbelievably gorgeous. And this, I think, they do the right amount of color work in this this page, where right. it doesn't like stick out so much from everything else that you feel like, wow, this is a whole other like palette, but there's some actual life to the the colors here. And it, yeah. it brings some emotion and some actual, you know, he's fighting this mystic creature. So a little bit more color brings out some of the mysticism of everything that's happening here. This might be the best page of the whole book. It could be, it could be, um, you know, the different perspectives and, and the details. Um, mm-hmm. So that, so like George said, it's four skinny vertical panels. Um, the first one, there's stuff that doesn't have to be there per se. Um, like for example, you see his foot landing in the splash of the goop right around his foot. Um, and then the perspective of the claws coming at you, but not not popping out of the panel is is really interesting. And that leads into kind of seeing him slashing from the side and then him kind of blowing up from the back. Um, Davis does a lot of really cool things with sequencing and perspective. Yes. And in this issue, um, it's really pretty great. Um, you know, I mean, this is, this is pretty much, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it would be universally considered his prime, but it's definitely, definitely in the meat of like Alan Davis' greatness. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, Excalibur started in 88. So this is, you know, two years, two and a half years after that. This is, this is prime. This is great uh, Davis period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we have a, a zoot suit riot as a, he zoots and blows up. And mm. then uh, the cave collapses. And eventually, or maybe seconds later, I don't know, but Wolverine is eventually able to punch out of the, the avalanche. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he thinks, I can use a beer or ten. Um, <laughs> this is a great bit of dialogue here. I love it because it, it, it really gets to the heart of Wolverine as well. Yeah, like, it does. After the fight, it's like, I was lucky I hung in there too long just to inflict pain on the sucker. I could have been crushed or buried alive. It was worth it. And like, <laughs> like he's got like a like a not evil smirk, but like a satisfied like smirk on his face when he says it too. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, Wolverine's he's he's a good guy, but he's got a little bit of a darker side to him, and it right. sort of comes out here. So it's it's a nice little bit of character work as well. Yeah, and so he finally crawls out. Um... And the the tribe of the Nuris come to get him, but you know obviously he can't go. Uh, and he talks about how you know he always considers adamantium a blessing, but you know now he realizes it's keeping him from from pure harmony. But but he likes what he is and what his he feels like his mission is, and if that's the price he has to pay to always be a little bit out of sync with himself that he thinks is worth it for the people mm-hmm. he saved and all that, which is also a very Wolverine thing. Kind of, yeah. the, kind of almost a self like emotional martyrism. Um, <laughs> no, 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 is, for sure. Is very, very Wolverine is, you know, it's, it's interesting because Davis here, 
again with just this perspective and sequence and then the slow kind of nod of Wolverine's head th- those three panels on the bottom of that page are, have a very distinct sadness to them mm-hmm. like they really wanted you know to save Wolverine to pay him back for his help to kind of reward him and he turned him down and like they respect his decision, but they just feel like he's really missing out on something. Mm-hmm. They kind of fade into the distance. And even he obviously has a little bit of like, did I make the right decision? As he kind of looks down um, as they disappear. You know, but then him him standing on the on the mountainside. Um, <laughs> the nearer he said I could be like them, but for my adamantium for my adamantium bones and claws. Tempted idea, the beauty of the Alshra and a mind that could soar among the stars. But I ain't so sure. I'm a fighting man, and the way I see it, this is worth fighting for. Anyway, it could get really dull floating around the cosmos without a beer. (laughs) (laughs) He really brings it down to the blue-collar level, which I love. (laughs) Right? And that's our last page. (laughs) And it's great, too, for, for two reasons. One, we have... This like battle-tested Wolverine shirt ripped to shreds, st- standing out over, you know, looking out over over Canada, and just uh, a wonderfully detailed. And I think the color work, you know, the sunset uh, colors on, on Wolverine are great here. And then the the final panel, zooming on the ice again with blood on it, sort of taking the story full circle. It's it's a great little wrap up to this thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, although if I was Wolverine. Before they left, I would be like, hey, guys, can I get another, like, uniform change, please? Uh, Your friend uh, gave me some new clothes. Yeah. Maybe you guys could... uh, It's a little cold out here. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I want to pop my claws, not my nips. Um, (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) I love Um, that. Okay. If that's not the title of the episode, then you made a mistake. Bloodlust. Um, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> All right. Well, um, before we get to our overall thoughts, let's return back to our coffee. Um, so, do, do you think we got a band of drunken vigilantes pursuing a crazed psychopath across the Yukon waste, not taking any prisoners? I'm sorry. I gotta. I gotta zoom all the way back. Can you repeat that one more time? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think we got a band of drunken vigilantes pursuing a crazed psychopath across the icy Yukon waste? No prisoners. Hmm. Not quite, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they were drunk, and they right. were taking the law in their own hands, mm-hmm. and they did go out in the ice. I, I guess they weren't taking prisoners. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they, they're a minor feature of the story. I mean, it's right. not... If, if we were doing... You know when, when uh, politicians uh, give a speech or something and then they'll get, like, a political fact check, like, was this a lie or was this the truth? I, would, I wouldn't give this statement a lie. It's not an outright right. lie. Yeah. All right, what about a race of mystical creatures descending on the Canadian North, hungry for souls? Yeah, we, we kind of got that. What are they eating souls? Did you mention that that oh, one guy okay. was uh, not necessarily souls, but absorbing to get stronger? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they were just eating the 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 meat, but <laughs> maybe they were eating souls too. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they said souls. I think they were just like consuming the bodies to get stronger. Right. Okay. Oh, well, anyway. <laughs> um, 
So the mutant Wolverine, Claude Berserker, lost in an Arctic blizzard out of his mind. Kind of, yeah. Parts of that, yeah. Yeah. And a dark descent into animal savagery. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. I mean, dark for Marvel, sure. Right? Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, um... Let's do let's do some low hanging fruit. Um, I think we both agreed the art was pretty fantastic. Um, yeah. Some small squibs with some of the coloring here and there, but I thought overall a nice color tone. But really, the the, the hero of this book is Davis and Neary. Um, mm-hmm. Together, they're they're a great team, and this is no exception. Lots of just really really dynamic art. Lots of emotion, lots of good fighting. Um, Davis's Wolverine looks amazing. Um, yeah, what what else about the art? I mean, I, I feel like we smothered this thing with, with praise as, as we read <laughs> it, but yeah, even just going over the, the the inking for for a minute here, it's never feels like it, it it's overbearing. It's never too thick uh, on Davis's lines. It's it's like it's the right amount of detail. Uh, it's a, it's a really great marriage of uh, pencils and, and inks here, and uh, yeah, I mean the artwork is is just magnificent. It's Davis doing what what he does best. Right. Yeah. No, I I love Davis and Neri together. I was, you know, Davis with other people is is good too, but there's just sometimes you get those combinations that just really work. Right. And right. This is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know what I can't help but think a little bit? What? Um, it would have been really cool to have Gwyneth Oliver doing the colors on this book. That's what I was thinking the whole time as well, <laughs> unfortunately. But, um, yeah, you know, I guess you can't can't have her color everything. Though she covered <laughs> a hell of a lot in the 80s. Yes. And, and even a little bit into the 90s was still pretty busy as well. But, um. Oh my gosh! I mean, all the all the great X Men stuff was all her. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think visually is, is outstanding. Um, so, what do you think of Davis's writing first kind of oh, first published stab? I'm sure he mm-hmm. practiced and wrote other stuff leading up to this, but the first first Marvel writing work. What do, what do you think of it? Uh, I don't know how much Wolverine he's done before this. But I feel like he gets the character, you know, dead on uh, throughout this story. I think he does a great job of letting the artwork tell the story. Right. Um, I think uh, you can tell it's, it's a first-time story in, in a few pieces. Uh, the the hunters are, uh, you know, the guys inside the bar are just barely featured. And then so the meat of the story is given out in like five pages in the in the middle um, <laughs> right. like there are those like small things you're like well that's that's not great uh but they're not like it's, it's nothing horrible either I, I feel like uh also saskia is easily forgotten and then once you think about it it's pretty obvious that she was behind a lot of this right um, so i mean I'm, I'm being really nitpicky here but yeah. uh, uh all that aside i feel like it's told really well like it's what I like about it is there's no big blue light in the sky. It's just Logan on his solo adventure where 
the only important thing is one person or, or this one little monster that needs to be taken care of and we get some character work throughout it it's um it's not to say little is bad but it's a great little condensed story right yeah i you know going back to your point that maybe it is easier to draw your own writing debut um because he definitely as the relationship between the artist and the writing which in this case would be himself the writing gets out of the way of the mm-hmm. art when it needs to right. which which you know it's funny because sometimes i guess the writers who don't draw even veteran writers um are not always as good about that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And so to kind of get that right right away maybe it is kind of connected to looking at the writing from the artist's perspective but I was pretty impressed with where he knew how much to write. Um, Definitely. Um, it seemed to come with a lot of experience, and so it kind of belayed his, or betrayed his, um, I guess, mostly inexperience. Um, and I don't know. I, I feel like the storytelling as a whole, between the art and the writing, um you know, my one kind of maybe wish about the pacing aside, there's a lot of really cool interchanges. Right. And a lot, of, a lot of things are things that are paced really well, and things are are set up really well, um, visually and perspective-wise that we talked about. Um, right. I think the whole package, if you, you know, what you kind of, you know, with comics is what you do, right? The writing and the art need to work together, and I think they work really well together. And you know, the story is better than it really kind of has a right to be, I feel like. Right. I mean, if you just say, because you boil it down to, like, the plot. The plot is there's some mystical creatures in Canada. And Wolverine has to fight them because they kind of drive them a little batty. Um, right. yeah, Wolverine versus monster. That's the plot. Yeah, yeah, and then there's some magic stuff at the end, and then, you know, that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean... A pretty flimsy story in theory and not super interesting <laughs> but but davis pulls it off and in, in a lot of ways because of the art right but i think but i think writing wise too though he doesn't make it all about getting from point a to point z it's about how does Wolverine feel what does it what does it look like to kind of go through this little journey right uh, right and i think that's where he really succeeds yeah, this is definitely not like wouldn't it be cool storytelling. This is this character is in this 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 happened to him and how do they react? <laughs> how do they feel about it and how do they like move through it and does it feel real? And it feels real. I mean this feels yeah. like you know, a lot of the times people say I want a Spider Man story that's, you know, street level because it kinda of works that way. And you know, the Spider Man stories are never about like at least they shouldn't be about this cool thing happened. It's about Peter dealing with juggling everything and, you know, being who Peter is. And this is Logan dealing with being who he is in this mystical situation. And it, it works, even though it's a really simple thing. Right. Yeah. Interesting way to approach writing. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, even the a little, little inside inside joke for those that listen to when Georgie and Dan are on the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's there's been a lot of the opposite kind of writing in some of the X books of yeah, late. Yeah, um, fortunately. But even like in this silly story, I mean, it's kind of silly. We get this piece about 
Wolverine's almost like his soul and his adamantium and how he's tied into this and you know him having to deal with emotionally being the beast or not being the beast. It's it's like oh yeah, you dig into it and there's all this great little like this this meat there for you to dig into as well. Yeah, I agree. I'm you know really glad that I kind of found this little forgotten gem in uh, Wolverine lore. So um. Any final thoughts before we talk about rating it? Um, yeah, I'm glad you found it too. I wish this was more well known because, as far as standalone Wolverine stories go, I don't know how you get much better than this. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'll let you do the honors first. What would you like to grade uh, Bloodlust? I'm going to give this a very solid five out of six claws. I feel like. The story is well told. The artwork is great. Some coloring issues aside, uh, you know, small pacing, blah, 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 blah. But uh, they keep this from being, like, the greatest thing. But it's really good. It's a really good story that more people should read. I am right there with you. I'm, I'm going to say it has no business being a five on the surface level. But <laughs> right, it, just, right. it, it just, it is, though. It is. Um it's it's a it's a very solid five out of six claws. It's a great little book that, for whatever reason, has kind of snuck through the cracks in Wolverine stories. Um, yeah, I'll have to see if I can find some research on how people thought about it, like back then. Like, did it sell well? Did people care? Right. Um, and it seems to be mostly. And I mean, Alan Davis is is still a pretty fairly known artist um i feel like he's never thought of in, in the same terms as some of the other bigger names though true like, i don't know what it true. is everyone's like I, whoever you think of you know john byrne or or whoever and then it's like oh yeah there's alan davis too and then right he sort of floats in the back of people's mind and then you show him an issue like oh my god this is davis this is amazing <laughs> right. for some reason he's just one of those guys that doesn't stay in the forefront of everyone's thoughts true that's very true because you know, whether it's the 80s or the 90s, he always seems to be overshadowed by his peers. You know, you mentioned mm-hmm. John Byrne, and, you know, by the time we get to the 90s, it's all about Jim Lee, Tom McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, um, all those guys that went on to do image stuff. Um, yeah, very interesting, because that whole time, I mean, really since, like, early to mid-80s to to nowadays, just just a very solid artist who does really interesting stuff. Maybe, I mean, you can probably argue that his most interesting stuff now in 2019 is probably behind him, but mm-hmm. he still does. I mean, a few years ago, did did a run on the Wolverine solo book that was still pretty great. Um, oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, back when, um, I think it was when Paul Cornell first started writing his run. Um, Kind of leading up to him losing his healing factor, which eventually turned oh, into right. his death. Um, right. Yeah, Alan Davis started that. I don't think he finished it, but he started that run. Um, and then I think it uh, switched to like Ryan Stegman or something. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember Stegman being on there. Yeah. Um, That's yeah, a big the, change. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Both really good, but definitely very oh, different. Yeah. Nothing um, against Stegman, just a very different style. <laughs> The only thing against Tegman is I would just wish he did more books I wanted to read. <laughs> 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 it's not 
I know people say it's great. I'm just not gonna read Venom. But um, <laughs> I just I don't believe them when they tell me that. Right. Um, but anyway, that that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, no, it's it's an interesting point that you bring up that it's just kind of always the other really good artist that is around. Um, huh? He, he tends to do unique stuff. Like this is not. This is not like a marquee story, right? This is just a one-off graphic novel. Excalibur right. was never the X book. If anything, it was like the second or third tier, uh, especially when you had X Uncanny and X-Men and right. X-Factor going at the same time. X, Excalibur was always a little bit oddly below that. So he's sort of been under the radar for, for a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's funny to try to, and of course we... We can't and probably should not attempt to here or or anywhere. But it was interesting to try to think about, oh, what what's the difference, right? Like, what makes one guy? If you take two guys that are kind of equally talented, right? What makes one of them the superstar and one of them just the kind of solid workhorse? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who is respected by his peers immensely, and fans seem to like him when they think about him. But you almost sometimes have to point it out. You know, right. it's it's just it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. You know, you, you see that across the board, right? Like bands that happens all the time, actors. You know. Sure. You know, you I know. would I would compare him to on the writing uh, sense to um, Peter David, who is never writing the X Men book or the Spider Man book. He's always writing the B level book, but his stories are always really well told. And yeah. you read it, you're like, oh yeah, of course, Peter David. Yeah, this is great. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right, right. But if you ask someone, well, who's your top ten writers, he might get left off the list, not because they don't like him, but just right. think about him. But if, if Peter David hadn't given Uncanny, like after Claremont, or if um, – if it, same thing. If, if Alan Davis had been given Uncanny, you know, after Byrne or, or whoever, <laughs> after Lee, you know, you'd be like, oh, my God, yeah, Davis is one of the all-time greats because he would have been on, like, a big marquee book. Right, but, uh, yeah. But they, they never were. So here's, here's that Peter David and Alan Davis should do an X book now. <laughs> it, would, it would be the greatest B side <laughs> book ever. Like anyone who read it would be like, "That was great," but you know, eighty percent right. of the population would be like, "That's a book." Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Cool. Well, yeah. So, Bloodless, surprisingly, five out of six claws from both of us. Um, that was great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you for taking the time to, to chunk that out and read it. Um, I mean, the last, last thing that I remember was covering flashback was X-Men versus Titans, which was also <laughs> really good. Right. Who was on it? It was uh, – who was the artist? Oh, geez. Simonson. Yes, yeah, Simonson, who, yeah. who knocked it out of the park there as well. So, right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought – I thought y'all didn't you come off one of the X Baby books. Oh yeah, which was Art Adams, still really good art as well. I, um, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that one. At least I tried to forget about it. Right. Jason, thank you. Well, you tried to forget, <laughs> but you made me come on your show and talk right. about that. <laughs> and speaking of your show, awesome. you mentioned thank it you. at the front, but um, why don't you talk a little bit about Excalibur's? Uh, yeah, uh, Excalibros. Uh, Dan and I are, are covering Exiles Excalibur. 
Um, the the most recent XL series just wrapped up. We just put out our podcast like uh, four days ago ish. Um, we sort of talked about the wrap, uh, the whole series as a whole, um, and we we absolutely loved it. If you have a chance, especially if you have Marvel Unlimited, because that stuff's going to be popping up there as well. Definitely read that because just like this, the artwork for I don't know ninety percent of of that run is is gorgeous as well. So. Uh, you know, we'd appreciate you reading any of that. Um, but uh, with one of our books ending, we're going to start covering another book, uh, which is going to be Generation X, which also has a unique artist on it, uh, Bacalo. So that's um, that's going to be starting up. Our, our next episode is going to be a Gen X focused uh, podcast. We're going to sort of cover the team coming together, a little bit of the Flanks Covenant and uh, issue one. Um, and there's also kind of a, a nifty, uncanny issue. That's uh, Jubilee moving out of the expansion. So it's really going to be focused on that. Um, and we'd appreciate if anyone wants to uh, read through uh, these old uh, Gen X issues or Excalibur issues and, and join us on this journey. We're a pretty laid back podcast, as in we're like a once a month, maybe twice a month kind of thing. So <laughs> uh, just you know, tune in and read along with us and we'll talk about some good stuff. Awesome. And where can people find you guys? Yeah, that's important. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, what, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jason. You're the only one that keeps me on track. Uh, so <laughs> you can find us at, I think it's podbean.excalibros.com. Uh, and then uh, on Twitter, we're Excalibros1. Uh, and I was just uh, tweeting out pictures of the Phalanx Covenant today going over stuff. So. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, we covered some old uh, Joe Matt issues. I was gonna say that's why Joe Matt was on your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah he's, his issues were great, and Kubert's issues were less than great. Um, I'm the, interested by that comment because my memory of Kubert is very positive. Mm-hmm. But I have not read any of his art in a long time, so I'll be interested when I get to that era. Um, as a, as you know, be a little ways off, but. But even like his early 90s stuff, I'm just interested to see if I agree with your opinion or not. So uh, it's, it's very different styles. So maybe that was it. It was just very right. jarring back and forth. But, um, yeah, true. Yeah. So we'll, we'll appreciate anyone who uh, listens to the show. And, you know, we're always happy when you have us on to talk about current X-Men stuff as well. Uh, we just love talking comics with you, Jason. So it's yeah, last every time. Yeah. And for, for the record... Um, I love to listen to Excalibros, so everyone should be like me and listen to Excalibros. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Georgie, thanks so much. Um, obviously, uh, for the podcast, it goes Snicked. Uh, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snickcast. And I don't know, any other relevant things? Uh, Georgie and Dan will be back on uh, probably towards the end of the month. I've got a a lot of weekend travels coming up, but um, we'll we'll get that scheduled, and I get, we'll probably mostly talk about Uncanny next time. I mm-hmm. don't know how much of Age of X Men I'm going to keep reading, but um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not terrible. I just don't really care. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we'll That's save fair. that for we'll save that for when we talk, and um, but yeah, so they'll be on again soon, and just again, Georgie, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, thank you so much. Like, I'm going to have to uh, shout out this podcast, uh, or the podcast, but this book to a lot of people as well who haven't. Yeah. Uh, 
been checking this out because it's great. Nice. Very good. All right. Well, everybody, until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs>